Well, good morning, everyone. It's good. Uh, it was a good time last. Uh, I don't know if you say a good time, but it was a very meaningful time of worship last Sunday, as we gathered uh, as a community up at Penn Station for the sesquicentennial worship service together. And it was just great to see the churches of Arthur come together in that way. Uh, and Penn Station was really packed. Those of you who are there know. I mean, I. I looked up in the balcony. I couldn't believe there were people up in the balcony even. Um, I would guess probably 250 to 300 people were there. And, and so it was a great time uh, celebrating our community. And it was just a reminder for me of the great uh, faith community that we have here in Arthur. And we should give thanks for that. You also see in your bulletin today about that time capsule that they opened up this past weekend. If you want to see some of the items that they put in that time capsule back in 1973 for our church. You can see those down there on the, the table in the, the, the foyer. And uh, our community has been blessed for 150 years and we hope blessed for many more in the days to come. Our scripture text today is found in the 18th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. If you can turn there in your Bibles with me. Matthew 18. And I'm just going to give a little context here. Uh, before we read this passage, in Bible times there uh, were serious consequences for people who would not pay their debts. And, uh, you know, a person could lend money to another and they could go to great lengths to make sure that they were paid back for that loan or for that uh, debt or whatever. And sometimes that could even include prison time. Uh, it could sometimes include their family back in those days being sold into slavery in order to pay off the debt or, or something like that. So we need to keep that in mind as we um, hear Jesus tell this story about the man who was forgiven much, but then turned around and became violent with a man who owed him very little. Read, we'll be reading verses 21 through 35 of Matthew 18. This is what God's word says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt... And let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. 
You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So what would it be like if you were going to the Chicago, to Chicago today to attend the opening day game uh, of the Bears against the Green Bay Packers and you found out as you were driving to Chicago that they've decided they're not going to keep score. <laughs> they're just going to play as normal, but touchdowns and field goals, they're not, they weren't going to be worth any points. I mean, lots of questions come to mind with that. I mean, why even play if you're not going to keep score, right? Would anyone even come to watch if they heard ahead of time that they weren't going to keep score? Is that even possible for two teams to just play a game and not worry about the score or trying to win? Now, some of you probably had kids in t-ball before. I remember the days when our kids were in t-ball. And, of course, uh, in t-ball, they don't keep score. One of the, one of the few things these days. But uh, you usually don't hear the parents asking or the fans asking what the score is. Because they're, they're just not keeping it. Nobody is keeping track. Uh, yeah, Lynn said right. I was going to say, there's always some parents who are <laughs> privately keeping track, probably on their phone or something. Let's see, we've got five runs to their three runs. Or, let's change the scenario a little bit. What if you get together with family and friends for a game night, and you declare ahead of time that it's just going to be a game night of fun, nobody's going to win, nobody's going to lose, because we're not going to keep score. And, you know, if someone gets rid of all of their dominoes first, then you're just going to cheer for the others to get done as well. You're not going to be the winner. Those three pictures up there on the screen uh, in the right-hand corner are from the Pathfinders versus Legacy Cornhole Tournament that we had this past summer. And for some reason, we felt like we had to have a winner that night. <laughs> And uh, congratulations to Les and Grant Helmuth. They were the winners, and Lynn and Andy made a good run. Made a good run that in the championship game. One last thing on that. We recently started playing a new card game called Karma King. I don't know if any of you have heard of that. But it's interesting because the whole purpose of that card game is to not be the loser. And there really is no winner in that game. But you try just to not be the last one left with cards uh, because then you are the loser. It's a fun game, but I'm not sure how I feel about not having a winner because I am a competitive person. Do I have any competitive friends out there this morning? Well, good. I'm not alone. I had a feeling. It's comforting to know that. It's... It's not necessarily a sin or wrong to be competitive and to want to win at sports, 
or various games that we play. In other words, it's okay to keep score. This may be not in t-ball games. But in this parable of Jesus today from Matthew 18, we learn of a life situation in which it's not okay to keep score. Jesus is telling this, this parable to Peter and the disciples to help them understand the need of grace and mercy and forgiveness in this world. Peter actually starts all this off by asking Jesus a question. And he says, how many times must I forgive someone? He's implying, of course, that there there must be a limit to this uh, forgiveness thing somewhere along the line. And, you know, Peter uses the number seven. And he thought he was being pretty generous because back in those days, the rabbis were uh, taught or teaching people that they should forgive up to three times. Okay? You should forgive up to three times. So, Peter feels like, you know, he's being pretty generous here because he's saying seven times. That's over twice as much as what the rabbis are saying. Well, Jesus responds by saying 77 times. Now, I don't know what version or translation of the Bible you use, but it's different in several different translations. The NIV says 77 times, but some of the other translations actually say 70 times 7. And, uh, you know, we need to be careful that we don't get caught up in the translation of what that really means. Because the real message, I mean, what Jesus is trying to say here or communicate is that when it comes to forgiving other people, we just need to throw out the calculator. When it comes to forgiving others, we shouldn't worry about keeping score. And not keeping score is is an example of what Jesus implies here when he responds to Peter with that number, 77 times. What he's trying to get across... What he's trying to get across is what he's been trying to show people with his life. That forgiveness is a journey that never ends. It's a journey that never really gets completed. I mean, we, we don't come to a point in our life when we've totally fulfilled our duty to forgive. Because tomorrow, there's probably, most likely, going to be another opportunity for us. To forgive. You see, it's ongoing. It is a lifetime endeavor. I once heard someone say that forgiveness is more of a journey than it is a a destination. Now, I don't need to necessarily retell the whole story here because Jesus tells it very well. It's very well told in our scripture text. but, But what is he trying to communicate through this parable? I mean, this man owed this king so much money, it was impossible for him to really pay it back. There was no way. And so he does some begging, and, and, you know, the king just decides that he's going to cancel the debt. He's going to let him go. So what does that man go out and do? He goes to somebody who owed him much less, and he demands that he pays him back immediately. 
And he doesn't, and so he has that man thrown in prison. The main, the main reason for Jesus telling this parable is to remind us that forgiveness should always be in abundance and never in shortage. And our own lives really are a perfect example of this. You know, we depend so much on the forgiveness that is ours through Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for us that in this journey of life, there really is no room for us to be keeping score or to to be denying forgiveness to other people. Now, that may not be easy. It's often not easy at all. It's very hard. But the price that Jesus paid on the cross for your sin and for my sin is much harder than anything we are asked to do. You know, we might remember if you flip back a couple chapters in Matthew uh, here, Matthew 16, Jesus told us to take up our cross and follow him. So here, here's a question or maybe some questions that this parable encourages us to ask of ourselves this morning. Is there someone that I have been withholding forgiveness from? Have I been keeping score? Have I been living in the grace of Jesus while withholding grace from someone else? Now, you know, we often find forgiveness to be a difficult thing to both give and to sometimes receive, even. But, but this subject of forgiveness is, is central to our faith. You know, hopefully we have received God's forgiveness for our sins. And so, as this parable points out, it is now our responsibility as Christians, to extend that grace to others. Now, we can't forgive sin like Jesus does, but we can forgive them for a wrong that they have done to us. We can forgive them for treating us maybe in a certain way that that we shouldn't have been treated. We can forgive them in the sense that We would cancel a debt that they might owe to us. In other words, they maybe shouldn't have treated you that way or or done something to you. But you're going to choose grace instead of revenge for that offense. As I said, this is not easy. And often we, we need Jesus to help us. To be graceful instead of responding out of how our flesh uh, might want to respond in a lot of those situations. The truth is, though, this also does so much for us. If we will follow through with what Jesus is encouraging here, because, you know, instead of carrying all of that anger and all of that resentment and a fence around with us, and always trying to think about how we're going to get back at someone or, or how we're going to get revenge, we can just release it 
and give it to Jesus. We don't have to carry it on our shoulders. And Jesus wants to take it from us. He does. I mean, imagine how great it would feel to not worry about it anymore because you've forgiven that person and you let it go. I mean, even if it needs to happen 77 times or more. I read a a wonderful blog one time by Carl Vaders in in which he encouraged people uh, in this blog. He said, we need to stop saying, yeah, but when we're talking about God's grace. And uh, this is what he wrote um, in his blog. He said, why are some people so quick to diminish simple statements of grace with a yeah, but response. He referred to comments that are made on social media when, when uh, you know, one person will speak about grace and forgiveness. And then as soon as you refresh your screen, someone else might come up with a yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but this. Well, he goes on to say this. He says, we have to stop adding that yeah, but to basic statements of God's great of God's love and grace. Because when we do that, we stifle the kind of audacious outbreak of grace that people experienced from Jesus and the early church and that we need so desperately now. And and he's right about that. You know, when we think of the forgiveness that we have been given through Jesus Christ, when you think of the sacrifice that he paid for us on the cross, the blood that he shed for our sins. I mean, it is such a powerful example and testimony to think that, that Jesus did for us what he did. And the truth that Jesus will forgive anyone who has a repentant heart for anything if they come to him with that repentant heart. It's just an amazing, amazing fact of our faith and truth. You know, where would we be In our life, without the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. It really doesn't matter the size of the offense that we've committed. Or how often it has occurred in our life. And I think that's a a wonderful piece to this parable or this story that Jesus tells Peter and the others here. You know, the debt that that servant owed was so enormous, there was no way he's ever going to pay it back. I mean, I mean, he was a servant to begin with, so there was no way. And verse, verse 24, it says that he owed 10,000 bags of gold. In that day, that was just an enormous amount, probably like we would maybe say billions of dollars today or, or something like that. But the point that Jesus makes here is that it doesn't matter if it's one bag of gold or 10,000. I mean, that's why he makes this kind of unbelievable for us to to fathom. It doesn't matter if the amount is $1,000 or a billion dollars. A servant or a slave does not have any hope of paying either one of those amounts. It's kind of like a person who is in deep water and maybe doesn't know how to swim. It doesn't matter if the the water that they're in is 12 foot deep or 150 foot deep. Because it's it's going to be deadly either way if they don't have a life preserver close by or someone who knows how to swim or come to save them. 
And that's the implication of this parable of Jesus today. God offers us forgiveness without concern for the depth of our sin. If we repent, it is forgiven, forgotten, and gone forever. And so what do we do then? You know, that's a pretty good deal for us, isn't it? We're thankful for that. What do we do when we turn around and walk out into the hard realities of life and relationships with other people? Do we demand forgiveness from God and yet deny it to others? It, it, you know, it brings us back to that question or those questions from before. Is there someone in your life that you have been withholding forgiveness from? Have you been living in the grace of Jesus while withholding grace from someone else? In Luke 15, uh, the passage that Bob read for us earlier, Jesus was talking there about the lost sheep. And he implies there that he is always looking for the one that needs his grace and his forgiveness and salvation in their life. He pursues them to save them and renew them in His grace. Maybe you've seen this picture that's on the screen. I've seen it quite often on recently on social media. And I love the way that it depicts that passage from Luke 15. I wonder how it would look if we lived our lives that way. You know, always looking or thinking about that one person that we really need to pursue or extend Grace to. I mean, that's one thing I, I really love about the parables of Jesus because he can say it one way and, you know, give us such a wonderful story that makes it easier for us to apply to our lives and to understand it. I mean, we, we read this story and we're like, wow, how could that guy do that? You know? He had such a large debt that was canceled for him. And then he goes out and he, he treats his other guy so bad that owed him just a little bit. Well, hopefully we think about that and apply it to the relationships in, in our own lives. I mean, the, the point that Jesus is making here is this. Your debt, your sin has been canceled by God. So why are you withholding grace from others? R.T. Kendall wrote an article about forgiveness in Christianity Today magazine one time. And he listed six signs that show if we have totally forgiven someone. And I, I thought this was interesting. You know, when we forgive, this is what it will look like. These are the things we will be doing that show grace. The first one was you don't tell anyone else. What they did to you. That's a tough one. For many of us. The second one is. You don't try to intimidate them. You know. You don't use a power play. Or, or uh, try to get what you want. Out of the situation. The third one is. You don't make them feel guilty. Or allow them. To feel guilt. In other words. You find compassion. 
And you may even go to the extent of not wanting them to feel like it's, it's their fault in certain situations. The fourth one was, uh, is you let them save face. It's okay sometimes if somebody comes out looking okay when maybe you felt like they shouldn't. The fifth one is you accept the matter of total forgiveness as a life sentence. In other words, you, you keep forgiving even for the same offense. And that goes back to what Jesus was saying. 77 times, 70 times 7 and more. And then the sixth one was you pray for them, you bless them, and you set them free. I think that is an important part of this, is taking it to the Lord in prayer. Because we need the Lord's help if we're going to forgive. And, um, you know, as I said earlier, not only do we set them free, but it sets us free too when we forgive and have grace for someone. Now, I realize that's a tough list. I mean, I can think of, of several of those that I've failed at. You probably can look at that and feel the same way. But that is why the importance of forgiveness should always be constant in our lives. Because you see, Jesus constantly forgives us when we fail. So are we running out as the servant did in this story and denying to others what Christ has so freely given to us? One of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes, and there's, there's many, but this, is all, this one always comes up and I, I always love it. Uh, he said one time, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have someone, something to forgive. And, uh, but I do think it's something that we need to constantly be reminded of in this life and in this world because it is a daily challenge for us. I mean, we, do, we need to remember what Jesus has done for us because that really changes the whole scope of our response to others and what Jesus tells us and how to respond to others. So this morning, let's ask ourselves that, that question that the king asked the unforgiving servant in this story. He was called back in and the king said, Hmm, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And it brings us back to that question that I mentioned several times already. Is there someone in your life that you have been withholding forgiveness from? When it comes to grace, mercy, and forgiveness, Jesus doesn't keep score. And neither should we. In closing, I, I want to leave you with this thought. The person who will truly forgive is a person who dies to the world as we know it, takes up their cross like Jesus in order to usher in the world as God wants it to be. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we come before you this morning and as we've looked at this important teaching that you have given to us, we know it's not easy. And sometimes we struggle with this, Lord. 
We are so quick to receive the forgiveness that you offer to us. And yet so resistant to offer it to someone else. Lord, we can't forgive as you forgive. But we can extend grace. To others in our life. And we pray, Lord, that. As your people. We would be called to that and we would realize that in our daily walk and interactions with others. Whether that be someone in our family. Close family. Extended family. A friend. A co-worker. A fellow student. Lord help us to. Be able to extend grace. As you have told us to. I pray that for each one of us. Including myself. As we go out of here this week. May we look upon the offenses in our life and the things that people do to us that they shouldn't. And may we choose grace instead of revenge. Be with us now, Lord, as we share a fellowship meal together. We pray over the food that has been, that been brought. We, we pray your blessing over it and all the fellowship and time that uh, has gone into preparing those things. And we pray a blessing over Bob and Carrie, Lord, in their marriage. We Thank you that we can celebrate with that, that with them today. And we pray your uh, blessing and your presence over our meeting following the meal. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that we pray all of these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.